Hello. Hey. How you doing? <laughs> Welcome back to the Wine About Birth podcast. We are three birth professionals and best friends, and we are talking about what it's really like to live in the world of birth. It's not all glitter and rainbows. As we like to say, it's a lot more shit than giggles. You do like to say that. You <laughs> do like to say that a we lot. Are so full of <laughs> I can't even talk. <laughs> I'm Kim Haynes, and I work at a busy birth center. I'm Meredith Rout, and I'm trying not to work at a busy birth center, but <laughs> because I, I have my own home birth practice. I keep pulling her back in. And I'm Jess McKee, and I keep being a doula because it's easier than being a midwife. <laughs> and she true. keeps us sane, so. And I'm a birth assistant. We have a serious topic today. Why are we, we so crazy? <laughs> because it's a heavy one. We got to ease into yeah. it. Oh. All right. So welcome back. And today we are going to be talking about informed consent. It's a tough topic. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, But it's a super important topic. So what is informed consent? Does that just mean like... I give you the information that I like, and then you do what I say. Ooh, that sounds Ooh, good. No, that doesn't sound huh. like. Informed consent. Informed consent. Hmm. You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to be talking about informed consent. And this is actually, it's a very important topic, but it's a tough topic. This is so hard for mm-hmm. me to talk about. Yeah, I yeah. feel like I feel like to talk about informed consent. Can, I can't talk today. Okay, keep going. Fuck it. Keep um, going. I'm gonna step on someone's toes. That's what I feel like. It's hard for me to do actual true informed consent sometimes, but I do it. Uh, but yeah, I'm afraid of um, stepping on toes today. I guess. But I feel like that's the challenge is like creating safe spaces for these conversations. So and here we are. Here we are a today. Safe space. Yeah, it's because it's really important to have these conversations because ultimately to serve the community we're serving um, in the best way possible and have the best outcomes, informed consent is super important. Yeah. Super important. I mean, it's a cornerstone of midwifery care and birth care in general. So. And medical care in, mm-hmm. in medical care in general. The, the fact that you have the domain, the sovereignty of your own body and what happens to you. So yeah, let's uh Domain and sovereignty. So, Whoa. I'm using like, big words. I'm using like some big words. So uh Meredith, why don't you read the actual definition of informed consent for us? This is from the Oxford Dictionary. Informed mm-hmm. consent is permission granted and the knowledge of the possible consequences, typically that which is given by a patient to a doctor for treatment with full knowledge of the possible risks and benefits. Hmm. I'd like to substitute provider for doctor because yeah, yeah Oxford. I'll per- take notes. Take notes. <laughs> All providers should be offering. It does say typically, consent. but I agree. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mm-hmm. say exclusively for today's guess. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to change that to provider. Yeah, this All is right. the drinking game for today. Anytime we say the word provider, oh, that's mm. terrible. No one will make it through. That's true. But it'll make I will make it through. So, oh, <laughs> speaking of which, what are we drinking today? Yeah, and can we talk mimosas. a little bit about our week before we launch? Yeah, into this? let's talk about our week. Okay, mimosas. Yes. We are drinking mimosas, except for Meredith because she's on a juice cleanse. A juice now. cleanse. If I feel, I'm a little fuzzy today. It's Are, because so, I'm not eating. She is totally sober. Are you using a juice tiger? <laughs> that was the worst Scottish accent I've ever heard. Is her juice fermented? <laughs> not Sharon. I liked her. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was terrible. Okay, guys. 
Okay, Stop. get it together. Get, get it together. together. Um, yeah, so let's talk about our weeks. My week has been glorious because I've been off call, so I've been just gallivanting Woo-hoo. around, having awesome. fun, riding roller coasters, mm. drinking to my heart's content. Not getting scared by the scariest people ever. No. You snuck, you snuck alcohol. <gasps> I did. We can talk about it now. I snuck alcohol into Somewhere. Six Flags in my in my pants. <laughs> my pants. But they weren't looking at you because you're old now. They were they were frisking all the young all well, the young people. I thought that my husband should sneak it in because then we could say, "Is that a water bottle in your pants? Or are you just excited to go to Six Flags?" But no, he didn't want to, so I had to put it in my pants. Did his anxiety take over? <laughs> yes. He would have never made it through the metal no, detector. No, he was like so oh profusely. Oh god. <laughs> Poor Brian. There's nothing in my pants. There's nothing in my pants. Yeah. So that was my mm-hmm. week. But Kim, you had a really, like, you had a rough week. You had the opposite week of Jess. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't ride roller, well, I rode emotional roller coasters. Gosh. Oh, Katie yeah. and Jen and I held Which is a lot for her. Sorry, emotional roller coasters. Like, <laughs> that means she was exhausted. Yeah. It was, t- it was, it was, but. Um, How long were you up for? Like straight. I know you took like a two-hour nap, but how? Long? I took a couple of naps. Yeah, but yeah, how no long? Longer, like, it was general. Forty-two hours. Forty. Ugh. No, no, no. I was gone no. for forty-two hours. You were gone, but I you took a couple of naps. Yeah. Probably, I did. Probably up for thirty-nine hours. But then you I only know, took like two-hour naps at a time, which really doesn't do much. Yeah. No, it's a lifesaver. It alive. But Jen, Jen, Jen Davidson, she did her last birth. And so now she is going to take her norm. She is. It's so exciting. So she refused to sleep that whole time. She didn't have a single nap. She was like, these are my moms and I'm going to power through. And she may or may not have gotten bitchy. I don't, I can't say for sure. (laughs) I think Judge would very happily say that (laughs) she got. But she was, she was amazing and because of her intuition, both of the birds went really, really well. So I was really excited. Katie and I totally yeah. bailed and napped. Like mm-hmm. I don't know if they went really well. I think you ran into some. I mean, well, I was, mean, well, the these were not easy birds. They were no. not easy. They and were so, not straightforward. It took um, a lot of decision making. Yeah, for sure. And, and informed, it, consent. informed consent. Oh, yeah, and I had another mom stuck for. I don't, I don't know how many hours at, at one, like four centimeters. It was like 12 hours or 16 hours or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just, it's like the universe was like, oh, you had five births that you didn't make it to. So now you're going to really work. Yeah. You babies. will be with these moms for exactly. five days. But it was fine. And I, I learned a lot, which is great when that happens. Mm-hmm. So, and Jen is well, done always now. all still learning. And that's yeah. important mm-hmm. in this, in this job. That and we also have. some form of informed consent too. Because yep. the experiences you have. Like we actually did. Like, you realize that I don't think that we'll ever know know everything there is to know no. about birth. Well, that's Ooh. what's so great about it, though. Yeah. Well, this was that's my lesson. Like, whenever I hit the point where I'm like, oh, I know so much, and then I get shit on by yep. the birth you gods. You know nothing. So and they're like, you don't know anything. So if you always realize that we don't really always know what's going on, it makes it a lot easier for us to take in new information. Yeah. But, yeah, let's get to our well, episode. I was married this week. It was great. When you don't eat, like, everything just gets blurry. It's really nice. She's, she, she don't have any, like, boundaries almost, for your day, so you just do whatever you want. She almost walked out of Food Line with her food this morning <laughs> without paying. Wait, food is a strong word. I had wine and whipped cream. Oh, my <laughs> Which, like, I'd already commented wow. was a little bit, I know, right? It sounds like we're going to have a really fun time in our podcast. <laughs> and, we're, and we're podcasting from my bed, so... <laughs> yeah. Picture what you will. Yeah, the I guy was really judgy. 
Even before I tried to walk out without paying, he was already judging me. He was like, is it a little early for this? I was like, um, no, we're doing a podcast. Like, I'm sorry, your everything. life is boring. Whip it good. <laughs> it's gloriously boring. Whip it. I love it. Whip it real good. Okay, we're going to get to our podcast. So today's podcast on informed consent is brought to us by Flourish Birth Services. Um, so yeah, what are we going to cover today? I think some of the things that we're going to cover, because I think informed consent seems like it should be really straightforward. But there's a lot of things that make informed consent, real Murky. informed consent, um, really difficult to accomplish. Mm-hmm. So I think what we're going to cover, and we're going to use some stories. Thank you guys for sending in your stories. Yeah. It was amazing. Cheers to that. We love stories at whineaboutbirth yeah. at gmail.com. We do. Keep them coming. So, www. So that's our website. That's our website. <laughs> um, we've covered this. So we're going to talk about some of the things that make it difficult to get true informed consent, and we're going to talk about um, in in across all, because I think sometimes it can be easy, like you said, to like pick on certain birth spaces or mm-hmm. providers, mm-hmm. but really across all the different genres, genres, that is one of my favorite words, <laughs> all the different genres of birth care, um, why informed consent is different and what are the blockages to getting true informed consent and how can we make that better for the people in our care mm-hmm. that are our clients. Yes. So we're going to start with a story that someone sent in to us. And this is a story that's really interesting because it kind of shows how, it kind of shows how uh, sometimes informed consent can be kind of uh, vague <coughs> and weird. <laughs> And, and sometimes people, and different people will react to different the same thing differently. Yeah. And people do things with their best mm-hmm. interest in mind, but if it's not informed consent, is it still ethical? Exactly. The ethics of informed consent. Ugh. It's hate, so hard. I hate rules. I hate rules. But they but, also are so much easier than having to have these hard conversations. They are. Yeah. It is. Than having to think for ourselves. <laughs> and I don't know. <laughs> there, situation. there are providers out there that don't have protocols. Which is, I mean, that's their decision and their choice, but I don't know how the hell they, you, I don't know how (laughs) not pointing out names, Mm -hmm. Meredith. I don't know how you do it because for me, it's like, I can say, well, this is, yeah, this is our protocol. And if you don't, if you don't follow it, then I'm going to need you to sign this paper that says that your baby could die. Yeah. And then I don't feel any better Mm -hmm. than any other provider, but. At least you've got your butt covered. But then I'm covered and really. Sometimes. Okay. So, <clears throat> email. Here's the story. Here's the email. Here's here's a weird story that um kind of And this is not well they say in the story. This is not this didn't happen around here. This happened in, in another country, country yeah. but it still talks to how laboring women experience I'm sure this things. has happened in a, in the states. It has. Plenty of times we'll before. talk about it. Is this yeah, the whole thing it. or does it keep going? No, that's the whole no, thing. Whole okay. Thing. It's a nice short one. Nice short one. Okay, ready? And maybe this doesn't apply. But when I was working in a foreign country where they put all kinds of weird shit in your IV and labor, homeopathics, smooth muscle relaxers, Tylenol, I had a client who was transitioning really hard and long and she begged for narcotics. They don't let you get epidurals after a certain point there, so it was narcotics or nothing. But she was complete, so they weren't going to give her any sedative. She started screaming, give me something now. I don't fucking care if my baby breathes. Ooh. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. She was really <laughs> in it. Which isn't hard. People in transition say weird things. Yeah. They, they do. They threaten mm-hmm. to kill themselves quite yeah. often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's kind of an open delivery ward situation. So they said, okay, okay. Could you imagine sh- working no. in a country that has open delivery wards? Like no. Can you imagine being the mom in an open delivery yeah. ward? That would be awful. Yeah. 
I mean, at least in, even in Haiti, they had like separate tiny rooms. Yeah. But also, I want to say this story is interesting to me because it's interesting how they could make like a hard no on getting an epidural at a certain point in labor, but not a hard no on getting narcotics at yeah. some point yeah. in labor. It's like, do not get me started. It's like, on the are you gonna? You're, you're just gonna pick and choose what things you're willing to do. When yeah, in reality, an epidural is safer later in labor than a. But there's your protocols, like, and also this is you. when do they actually? This is how informed you. consent is twisted and turned yes. based on the provider's comfort levels. Exactly, All it the can time. be different for every provider. Okay, go on. Sorry. Excuse me. Okay, so they said okay, okay to shut her up. The nurse winks at me while she hangs a bag of plain fluids and says, "Okay, here's your Demerol. Here it comes. Nice big dose." <laughs> She's just like rubbing it in. At that point, she's like. <laughs> And yeah. the client rolls her eyes back and says, ah, it's working. And then she shut up and pushed her baby out. Moral of the story, that is the placebo effect is a thing, and I love it, and I, <clears throat> sorry, I love it always. And I told her about it months later, and she told me that she would have killed me if I did the right informed consent thing and told her it was just saline. Yeah. So, so this interesting so story. So this is interesting, because this mom, when she found out about it, because, um, well, let's talk about transition a little bit. When you're going through transition... People say crazy things. Yeah. Like your There's brain, no end to it. No. Your brain is not where it is on a, you know, day-by-day basis. And so you will say it. Like, I've had people like... I'm being split in half. Yeah. Or just like, cut this effing baby out of me. Yeah. Like... You, or biting me. Or just think that what if they... What is effing? <laughs> Frolicking baby. It's what makes babies. <laughs> But then, and that's the prime moment to say, "We'll sign this waiver," and but but we'll your do brain, yeah, your brain is actually shut off. You have like the mental capacity of a three-year-old when you're in transition, which is beautiful part of it. Like your yeah. brain is not; it's just primal. It's just very, yeah, it's very primal. So it's like. So moms will ask for crazy things that we might, we probably can't give them. So in like your practices as midwives, Mm -hmm. they know in advance that you don't don't have have anything to give to them. So we can just say like, we don't have that. You're doing it. Get through it. Mm -hmm. But it's so much easier. Moms say all the time. It's so much easier to do that knowing that things aren't in the room and aren't available. Like that's like, like any mom I've ever transferred to the hospital says like, the, that's the game changer is when I know that it's there. It's so much easier Because to instead it. of just like, instead of just um, your brain concentrating on getting through your contraction, it's almost like this this thing that you're doing where it's like, is this the point that I can't take it anymore? Mm-hmm. Is this the point that oh, I can't take it anymore? Having a natural birth in yeah. the hospital is like the hardest thing I've ever yeah. done. Even yeah. if the, even if like the f- faculty members aren't like, or staff isn't asking you if you want stuff. Even you still if, like, know. They're respecting you still your, know it's yeah, there. You still, you still know, know it's available. It's so this is where this, this is a weird informed consent thing because ethically what the nurses did when it comes to informed consent was wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They lied and they, they did not inform. They did not inform. Or get consent. They did not lie. <laughs> they, yeah, they lied. And if this and is actually, America, they would have gotten sued. <laughs> I actually heard about a case where this happened in an American hospital, and they did get sued, and they, you know, got reprimanded for doing that same thing. Um, so but, was it the family that sued them, though? Yeah. In the end? So, like, this woman, like, she doesn't sound like she would have taken that no, same step. So, and, it's like... It's and so, it's like, ultimately, different moms are going to react to the mm-hmm. same situation differently. So, this mom was happy that that happened. Um, because in reality, this mom did really care if her baby breathed or not, but she was in that primal place. And yeah. so she's saying these things that don't make sense. Mm-hmm. And so what the nurse did was helpful for her and got her through that place. But, but ethically, it was wrong. Yeah. 
So it's like that's so it's showing some of those gray areas when it comes to informed consent. And like we talked about earlier, is there really a hundred percent true informed consent? And yeah. we've kind of come to the conclusion yeah, that really all biased. Isn't. And yeah. so that's why we have to like talk to yeah. other providers and mm-hmm. within our own circle of friends. Like we disagree all the time on informed consent, but like that's why you have to oh, talk. Oh, the three of us. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. we do. <laughs> There's times when we're at births together, and and that's the thing when it comes to choosing a birth provider, like. Every single birth provider is going to have different Midwife, feelings. OB, in yeah. hospital, midwife, out of hospital, midwife. Or We're even, all different. Or even, like, OBs within the same practice. Or yeah. midwives within or the same practice. Like, it's not just Pediatricians. Birth, a whole spectrum of care. They're going to have different opinions about, from their experiences, about what is good and what's not good. And so, really, um, for as a consumer of birth care... It's like you need to kind of know what you're looking for and find a provider that matches that mm-hmm. or else you might get stuck with someone that's going to make you experience your birth in a way that you don't want to. Well, and I think it's important, whether you're birthing in or out of the hospital, you need to go in and interview different people because oh, yeah. you need to trust that person before you're yeah. in a place of vulnerability. Because mm-hmm. if someone's vulnerable, I can, I could make them do whatever I wanted. Oh yeah. But that's not my, that's not your, that's your, not who I'm totally I am. I've experienced that when you're in a, that place of vulnerability and when you're in labor, it's one of the most vulnerable places you can ever be in. Yeah. You <clears> cannot <throat> stand up for yourself. And I went through that as a doula knowing all these things that I felt super strongly about. But in the moment, it's just like someone says, well, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, okay. But then later you're processing it and you're researching stuff and you're like, well, that wasn't necessary. Yeah. Or if someone had just talked to me differently, I would have felt differently about I've, it. I have I have definitely stuck to informed consent while not – I was worried, but I, I truly respected what the mom wanted. And long story short, when I got to the hospital, I made it very clear that I did not agree with the path of care that we had taken – but that she 100% understood the risks mm-hmm. and the benefits mm-hmm. of her situation. And she knew that she would probably end up in a C-section. And I had someone look at me and say, I've never had a patient not do what I say. Mm. And I'm like, well, that, thank you for sending me yeah. all of your patients. I appreciate it. Also, they're called clients. And also, I never make anyone do anything ever. Like, yeah. this yeah. is true informed consent. I don't agree with it, mm-hmm. but I am respecting them. And this is why we're here. That's, so. just, that's ego. That's not informed consent. Oh, yeah. We could get to do a whole podcast so, on ego and birth. Yeah. So, so some of Including the blockages, our own. Our own. Yeah. yeah, some of the blockages <laughs> to getting true informed consent. Let's talk. Let's talk about that. Um, and and some of it is that um, there's the different providers have a difference of opinion, mm-hmm. and different comfort levels, and different comfort levels. Based That's on their very true. But then mm-hmm. ego also comes into it. God, I fucking hate ego. Yeah. yeah, I feel like the human species would be so much healthier if we could just cut the ego out of our existence but unfortunately that's not that a is thing. not a thing we yeah it's really difficult to do that um but let's take a quick break and we will come back and talk a little bit How, more about oh, that and let's do another story we are going to do another yeah, story we have a really that. really interesting story that kind of brings all of this together mm-hmm. um so yeah let's take a quick break cue the elevator music I love this. It's so oh, good. yeah. Dustin's <laughs> voice in this music is the best part of our podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Flourish Birth Services. Flourish Birth Services is a local birth service. <laughs> wow. How convenient. What does, Flourish, <laughs> what does Flourish Birth Services offer you as a pregnant client? Well... 
there are birth doula services, there are postpartum doula services, placenta encapsulation, birth photography, belly casting. Really, if it's a birth service, we probably offer it. Butt rubbing. Check out the website. Rectal pressure. com. Again, if you didn't hear that, because that very loud counter pressure. Sorry. www.flourishbirthservices.com. It's actually www. <laughs> Did I do it again? Yep. Oh, my God. I got a... I just... <laughs> <laughs> now he's up there. I'm going to punch him in the throat. I got Welcome back from that break. <laughs> I just took a giant drink of wine thinking it was my Because I tried to be a little different and not get a shark. What's the really... Sweet Did one. you just say shart? <laughs> I did say shart. <laughs> Great, let's bring that back. Yeah. <laughs> What's really sweet Moscato? I tried to like. I thought it was my. Treat him like a grown up and not no, get her a Moscato. I am not a grown up, and I took a big old drink of it, and it's. Sauvignon I would like to know that it's yeah, it's still white wine, and she's still being a it's baby. Just, about I it. almost gagged. So what did you do? I gagged, and then. <laughs> You added orange juice And then I mixed it. it with orange juice. It is 100% orange juice, though, at least. <laughs> so it's basically a health shake now. Now I'm drinking a <laughs> I look like shake. I'm drinking a placenta It's a health shake. <laughs> it's a health shake. I made it for you. I'm going to throw some wine kitten breath. Yeah, I get kitten breath. I don't know. We, we also are a big fan of the movie So I Married an Axe Murderer. If you guys don't know the references, heed down now. No. You should watch it. <laughs> Meanwhile, Meredith's drinking a shake that looks like someone hemorrhaged into a container. <laughs> <laughs> and she keeps licking into it to get the chunks oh, off. No. It's- so does Sorry, when you only eat juice, you have to get everything you can get. That's gross. Not what we it like to see. It does look like a placenta see, smoothie. Though. I do have a picture of me, though, drinking a smoothie with my hand in someone's mm-hmm. body. Oh, yeah. They yeah. sent it to me. Like, look at this picture we took of you at our birth today. Yeah. I have a picture of me <laughs> eating rice and beans while placenta was delivered. That's awesome. Yeah, I like it. Um. Right. So, so yeah. Oh, so informed consent. We realize this is a little bit of a heavy is topic. Is that what this is about? We're trying to make it about that. <laughs> Informed consent. Informed consent. Informed consent. I don't think that. Um, I don't think you know what I want to see. Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so <laughs> don't get. Cam, if you spit that out on the bed, you're gonna be in so much trouble with yourself. <laughs> so we're gonna try and like um, put a little bit more humor into it. So I. Uh, so another. Thing that so we were talking about Google a little bit before. Yeah, Dr. Google. Dr. Google's my bestie. And how some uh, providers really get mad that uh, clients use Google to find information. But the fact is, is that Google does have a lot of information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's good information and there's bad information. But sometimes mm-hmm. Google has information before the medical community has information. You gotta check your sources. Yeah. So what are some examples of that? Like, um, so for instance. Where we give birth in in the hospital, um, there's a provider, and every time we so so I know from from me personally as a doula, um, I've been a big fan of delayed cord clamping since I started. This. Oh, <laughs> is that why you're looking at me with your eyes all big? <laughs> yes, <laughs> like cue the story, cue Kim. the story. <laughs> there's a lot. So so there's a lot of things that like doulas and like midwives or I mean even doctors will know because the well, information's out there. And some of the oldest texts for yeah. obstetrics also support some of the things that we do out of the hospital. Mm-hmm. It's just But sometimes the mainstream uh community the mainstream 
uh, medical community, it takes a long time for right. changes to so, happen. So, okay, so f- delayed cord clamping. Delayed cord, yeah, we've known okay. that that's a great thing that right. that has numerous reported benefits. So many benefits. Maybe not like the CDC was talking about it for a long time, but... Well, they still support circumcision, so... I know. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, so, then, I guess your giant eyeballs were referring to that time <laughs> I, I said... I think it's more eyebrows. <laughs> eyebrows. I did. My eyebrows. Look at my eyebrows. <laughs> I'm going to take a sneaky feel on your eyebrows. <laughs> said no one ever. <laughs> so, there's a, there's a doctor that was... Um, I don't know if she's actually still doing births in Winchester, but I actually like her uh, quite a lot. And she has yeah, a couple. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but we are from the same state, so maybe that's close. So she mm-hmm. has certain speeches that she would give for certain things like epidurals or um, circumcision. Circumcision. Which we we, we like. We her support circumcision her speech. circumcision. Yeah. CPD things like this. So. Um, she has one on delayed cord clamping, and so after that, however many, however manyth birth that I had done with her when I, I was in there, birthed. yeah, the mom said I would like delayed cord clamping. I said, oh, 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 let me give your speech. I know it by heart, mm-hmm. and I can do it, and you don't have to say anything. And she well, goes, we should also clarify that her speech was not supportive. Of delayed it was cord not clamping. supportive. Not. Well, it was supportive of delayed cord clamping for premature, for premature babies. babies, but not for term babies. Mm-hmm. And so I had gotten her speech down to a the the the, <laughs> the vowel. And yeah. so I was like, "Let me spit your speech out for you and you just tell me if I get it right." And she goes, "Well, actually, the newest research has shown that it is good." That's not what she said, but it was something like I, that. I would have like, to be there when she said like, that. What? We're like, that is not new research. <laughs> we have been doing this forever. It's like, we shouldn't have to be, like, popping champagne and, like, celebrating yeah. right now. Because well, this unless, is, like, so commonly no, known. Like, unless a man does it. in my pants. In my pants. <laughs> and I was like, that. okay, well, I guess then I was right then. Is that what you're saying? Usually. <laughs> That's it's, like Kim's tagline for life. It's like, I'm right. Oh, you were right. right. Yes. Oh, can I say I told you so now or later? Should I wait? When do the fireworks go off? Yeah. <laughs> I try I don't to even, do. I don't even argue with her anymore because I usually end up I wrong. I mean, as a doula also, I see this also because since I started being a doula like 14 years ago, we, or I knew that skin to skin was good for babies. Yes, like, but then when the but hot, then you call it kangaroo care, it gets really popular. I know, but even but kangaroo then, care was hard to get at the hospital. And then some man yeah. wrote a thing that proved that yeah. skin to skin, and then the hospital did this huge skin to skin initiative, and I was yep. like, oh fucking shit already. But before that happens, uh. like every single one of my clients, I would have to be like, okay, so you're gonna have to request skin to skin, and you're gonna have to push for skin to skin, and you're gonna do this, and you have to do that. So the point then, is, sometimes yeah. Google can show you the research that proves that the things that you want to do are helpful after and all. And sometimes it takes longer for it to get into the mainstream studies that they because protocols because of protocol and you don't want to question yeah yeah and obstetrics has been shown to be the slowest conforming medical area because it's not that's why our birth stats are so it's an art and a science but they have found that obstetrics and midwifery is actually the most providers it's more art than science and so it takes a long time it is art juliana says that yeah and i feel like the art is the human element and, like, being able to, like, look at people it, in their individual situations. It is. but Because also birth is different from most um, things that you become a doctor for and that it's not a, um, it's not. Well, they're surgeons. It's not pathological. So mm-hmm. birth is not pathology. Whereas every 
other except for maybe a pediatrician where you take for well well child check um and some of them could also yeah use some new information most doctors go to medical school and learn about pathology and so in in birth though it's not pathology we learn normal body states yeah so that it's it's a physiological function Mm -hmm. that we need to support that occasionally does not work so it's a different way of going about medicine it's not actually medicine until you need the medicine i think that's where the, where the, where where the comes issue comes in. Well, the trick to that is always having students, which is why I love having students because they stay up to par on the That's newest so research. Much more than I and am then now I'm that so, I'm and you just got to take it in. <laughs> Like, Nikki's yeah. like, did you know? And I'm like, oh, that's amazing. So when I get new students, I'm going to be like, your only job is to continue researching and tell me. See, but that's also so the thing that <laughs> when it comes to the human element, and I learned this because I worked in doctor's offices before I became a doula, and it's like, doctors are freaking busy, man. Yeah. Like, too busy. To, and they are yeah. also and humans. And midwives are busy birth practices. And they're, they're yeah, and midwives busy. are. And it's stressful. And so it's like, you come, you deliver babies for 42 hours straight. And then you go home. Did you read the new paper on? No. No, you don't. No, I you didn't. You want to go home and you don't you want. Know. Jen did. Jen did. Yeah, you don't want to hear about <laughs> She was her. like, oh, I went home after that and read all this stuff. I was like, why aren't you sleeping? Gotta have students. Yeah, you don't want to hear about birth. You don't want to talk about birth. You don't want, you want to just like. I don't tell anyone what I do. You just want to hang out with your friends and yeah. do a podcast. You just want to drink a glass of wine and like disconnect from the fact that you just like were elbow deep in vagina for the last elbow hours. deep. Yeah, mm. and so I think that that that's where the human thing comes in is that when you have a busy practice and you're so busy and you're a human, it's like you don't have time to go home no. and read the research. About these latest things, but maybe I could teach my 100 kids to do it, and then when I came home, well, they, they could just spout t- stats. They at could you. tell me, "Did you yeah. know the new statistic about cord clamping is?" Yeah, which which part of it comes in is like not having ego. Is that so? Like me as a doula, I do not have as busy of a practice as some of the midwives, and so I still am a little bit obsessed with. But you're so good at research. I'm yeah. still I'm obsessed with research. But there's a lot of providers who don't want to hear research from students or doulas who are still like gung ho about research. Right, that's because you got in, so you know it. So yeah, that's then you have to like you don't have to try as much anymore. Yeah, everything is always changing. So Meredith, so Kim, why don't you read to us the next email? Yeah, another we got another great story. This one is a little more um, <clears throat> straight. We open with this one. Straightforward. It's, it's intense. So, yeah, it's intense. Um, hi. So I have a story you can share in your podcast. A friend of mine was pregnant at the same time as me, do a few weeks apart, and we saw the same doctor slash midwife at the same practice. There was one doctor that we both agreed gave off a weird vibe and seemed way too happy about his job. Yeah. Our vibe does attract our track. Remember the doctor that you talked about that used to do the breast exams? Oh, yeah. But he would just, like, fondle your boots? Mm-mm. He was a legit child molester. That's yeah. awful. Mm. Well, we joked he was kind of serial killerish, yeah. so oh, same there thing. You go. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, when she was about thirty-eight weeks pregnant, she saw him for the standard weekly checkup. Thirty-eight weeks. Thirty-eight. Thirty-eight weeks. weeks. Why are you doing a vaginal exam at thirty-eight weeks? Oh, sorry. he was doing a vaginal exam. Sorry. <laughs> go on. This is why Kim has to read the stories because she, she I can't, can't handle herself. I get so upset by this stuff. <laughs> and she said, all of a sudden, she yelped and jumped up in pain and asked him what he was doing. 
His response was that he was just moving things along, just moving things along, because he was quotation on quotation because he was on call that weekend and he wanted to deliver her baby. Pause for disgusted sounds. <sighs> he gave her a membrane sleep with no warning. She went home and told her husband she felt violated and confused, which is so valid. So valid. Mm -hmm. And he called the office angry, understandably. The doctor apologized to her husband, but not her, of course, and mm. nothing else was done. Mm -mm. So, yeah, I knew there was something off about this dude. He gave me the creeps. Thankfully, he did not deliver either one of our babies. So, but here's the thing is, like, doctors, when they're not, not just doctors, providers. Providers. We get used to that it was a doctor in this setting, but we get, sometimes we get so comfortable, like, oh, my hand's in a vagina. This is what I do. This is my I mean, I live with my hand. It's like so, vaginas are my mitts. So it's like, like little vagina You're mitts. so comfortable. <laughs> your hand warmer. Yeah. They're my hand warmer. You become so comfortable with it that you mm. forget that to the person whose vagina your hand is in, it mm. might not be as comfortable no, as you know I don't. History is. I don't yeah. forget that. And I am sorry, but every provider out there that will do a vaginal exam should be able to touch a fucking vagina without a mom crying. Yeah. I mm -hmm. never have a mom mm -hmm. cry or yelp in pain. Mm -hmm. or anything. I'm so gentle. I'm usually crying because I'm like, I don't like doing this. I'm so sorry. Oh my god, no. Meredith's like, <laughs> oh I'm like god. creepy in the completely different way. We yeah, have you're to tell, <laughs> we have to tell Meredith a thing she cannot say while I'm like, yeah, my hands are in. Yeah, the person's Th Add that up. to the things you can't say, like, I'm so sorry, or I'm doing this because I love you. <laughs> no, Meredith! <laughs> we shouldn't be laughing because it's so true. It's Triggering. so bad. Trigger words. Or, 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 it's so bad. I know that hurts, love. <laughs> I don't I wish I had a picture of my face for all the years we worked together when you would talk with your hand in another person's body I know my face was like what the fuck are you doing right now you could like toss things into my mouth from across the room oh I hate it oh I hate Kim that. does have the Best shock face. She really, like, she really does. What are you talking about? Yeah, I don't have a poker face. Yeah, I've been working. You play poker my poker face. Bluffin with my muffin. I try, but I mean, so that's horrible. That's a horrible story. So that that is the opposite of informed consent. But let's also talk about like like as providers, we might get comfortable with something like to us. Mm -hmm. uh, getting your membrane swept is no big deal. I would never do that I'm not without asking. Weeks also. No, no, no. It is a, <gasps> no. Some providers might think that. I actually do think it's a big deal um, because any intervention you do, like it, anytime you mess with the things, there is a chance for something to go wrong. The right? more you intervene, yeah. not ready, the, the more things can go wrong. So it might be a very, it might be a very, very low chance of something going wrong. Which we're going to talk about a little bit later. But you didn't talk about the risks. Or how not provided some, yeah, about how the sometimes risks like didn't even how tell sometimes her. you won't even yeah. think about the risks of one thing while making a mom feel bad for the small risk of something else she denied. But but there is a real like there is a risk to like you can in introduce infection easily. You could rupture the water bag. Mm -hmm. and, I personally refuse to check a mom before forty weeks unless because it doesn't she, really mean unless anything. there's a reason for it. Yeah, because it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. Women yeah. can go from long, thick, enclosed 
to birth in six hours. They were talking about our cervix. <laughs> cervix. <laughs> I also feel like we talk about stretch and sweeps for weeks before we even offer one. Yeah. Just so they have mm-hmm. it, like, they know exactly and why we're doing way, it and yeah. what's going on and know what to expect like, and I physically. Do, I do it personally. I do it in steps. I'm like, step one, yeah. let me, let me see if I can reach your cervix. If I reach it, I will tell you I can reach it. And then you can tell me if you would like me yeah. to stretch and sweep you. So it's not like all one yeah. motion. Because even though it's like our, it could be our like normal everyday thing to walk in and see a vagina for the mom that's like on the other side of that, it's not her normal everyday thing to be at the receiving end of that. If I have to get a pap I'm like, oh my god, I've had to give her a pop. <laughs> it was a nightmare. Don't look at my vagina, don't look at my anus. <laughs> she responded the same way she responds yeah. when I try to stick her with an IV to practice. She's like, oh, 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 oh my god, don't touch me. And oh, Kim is the I stubbed my toe. Oh, it Biggest, and it's, it's probably why you one. give such good vaginal exams. Because That's why I'm so good with the vagina. She has a thing about her cervix being touched, which I know because I, I touched her cervix. You have touched my cervix. And um, you were very gentle, thank you. I was very I get, gentle. I thought just as like the gentlest exams ever. Well, probably. I might have offended her mom though. Oh, my mom. Because uh, you told her that her mom did the hardest, like, no, the because, toughest exam she's because ever seen. No, because Kim was like, Kim was like. Also, sorry, her mom is a CNM. She's my a mom's CNM. A, yeah, my mom's a CNM. And she's a wonderful CNM. She's beautiful. amazing. Mm-hmm. She brings light into the hospital. Yep. And, and so, yes, for so sure. when Kim was pregnant, she's like, I want you to learn how to do vaginal exams. Get in here and check my. Get, get in my vagina. Get in here and check my cervix. And I was like, <laughs> wait, that accent should never be used Also, okay, can we talk about me being inappropriate that. Saying inappropriate things in the context of <laughs> vaginal exams. Well, you hypocrite. She was the one getting the vaginal exam. I'm so allowed she, to say whatever I she want. She can say whatever she wants. I should okay? have pretended to have an orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> but then it would have featured in our last episode. Our also, yeah. first episode. Yeah, wait, you do fake it? <laughs> well, you couldn't because you were so busy being like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. It's flailing. Oh, oh am I vagina? <laughs> My vagina was so swollen. It was like the size of Texas. So I wouldn't let you look She's at like, it. She's like, don't look at it. It's huge. Don't look at it. Use your feeling, your don't, feelers. Don't look at my vulva. Don't look at my vulva. It's, it's gargantuan. Don't look at it. So now, so she now she's very comfortable with seeing vaginas, but it's different when you're on the receiving end. Yes, so, it's much easier to look at other people's vaginas than show your own. Yes. yes. So I, I like got look at in, my vagina. Right I now. got in there. <laughs> I did and not I, just happen. Just so you know. Shush. Sorry. I got in there and I checked her, <laughs> and she was like, "Okay, okay, okay." And then her mom got in there. The and, next day. And I don't know if it was just because it's your mom, because I overreact for my mom a little bit more, too. But mm-hmm. you were like, <laughs> <laughs> And then I said, go, did it hurt like that when Jessica did it? <laughs> and, and your no, mom, you said that. I said that. And your mom's face was like, oh. I'm a failure. <laughs> and no, you're not, mom. You're not. Kim's just a wuss. If you I'm were just a failure, a she wouldn't have let you put your fingers in her vagina. Yes, true. <laughs> Oh, she and she that checked me when I went into labor with Oscar as well. Yeah, and she was a labor and delivery nurse then. But we do have to remember as providers, it's different being on the receiving end than the giving end. Um, <laughs> that's what they all that's say. What they say. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's cue the elevator music. This podcast is brought to you by Flourish Birth Services. Flourish Birth Services offers a variety of 
birth services. <laughs> so whether you need a birth doula, a postpartum doula, you want a belly cast, you want your placenta encapsulated, Flourish Birth Services can offer all of that professionally and at a reasonable price. So look up their website, www.flourishbirthservices.com. Is professionably a real word? It is now. It is, I mean, I just made it one, professionably. It's awesome. I like it. It should be a real word. I think word. your tagline should be, Flourish Birth Services, we got your butt. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Your back, your butt, all of it. All right. Welcome back from the break. Okay, so this story, I just want to, like, say we don't have very... It was only a break for us. That's, that's true. It's a blip for them. That's true. We, we appreciated the break. Don't we don't again. have very much time left, and I will say, honestly, I think we could have filled an entire hour episode just talking about this story. Yeah, and the point about to read. Yeah, yeah, and this point of the story is not to pick on any one provider or anything, nope. but it's also it's just to bring to light some things that can happen because of all the things we've been talking about, like ego differences in opinions and ability of research and maybe difficulty in in improving your research yeah this story was yeah barriers it was really hard for me to to hear this story we actually argued back and forth on it in a a text (laughs) conversation we went back and forth on how things were handled and why they were handled that way and whether it was appropriate or not um and I think we ultimately agreed that there were things that were handled inappropriately. Um, so, yeah, this is a tough story, and we could talk about this longer, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to, like, get... You'll probably leave some of it out, because it's I'll so leave, long. Yeah, but I'll just get right into it, okay? And I just want to, I want to preface, 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 preface this story by saying that the person that this story happened to is a birth worker who's been attending births for five-ish years. So she's educated she's and, educa- and aware. She's educated, um, but she knew what she wanted and she was willing to advocate for that. And so I don't know if that contributed to what happened or not, but um, okay, we're going to start. I'm not going to say dates or names. Um, so this woman... Um, she was awoke. So she had been having uh, preterm labor. So she had already had um, dealings with the hospital because she was going to the hospital to stop her preterm labor mm-hmm. for several weeks. And she had already had some interactions with the hospital that she wasn't super happy about. Um, but now she is almost 37 weeks. She wakes up to very strong contractions. Um, she laid back down in bed. They just kept coming, kept coming. Um, they were manageable. And so she timed them before she called her midwife because it was really on the bubble of whether her midwife could deliver the baby or not. It was like right at 37 yeah. weeks. Um, so she laid in bed working through the contractions for an hour and they were coming about every um, nine to 10 minutes or so. She thought she had plenty of time. So she felt a gush and thought her water had broken while laying in bed. So she gets up and goes to the bathroom and she realizes it's blood. It's a lot of blood. Then blood clots follow, clots so big that she couldn't have even held them in her hands. So she knows as a birth worker something is going Yeah, that's wrong. obviously abnormal. So we probably fast forward to all the yep. obvious traumatic thoughts going through her head and how yep. hard that was for her, clearly. Yes. And then she does call 911. But she, her baby's best interests are in mind, obviously, yeah. as a mom. So mm-hmm. she calls 911 because of what's happening. She thinks her placenta is abrupting. Um, so her baby's heart tone, she checked her baby's heart tones because she has a Doppler and they were low. Um, and so she goes to the hospital. She knows she, her baby's having a hard time. She's going to the hospital. 
So the the ambulance comes. Um, they take her vital. Everything's okay. Um, they had to wait for other people to come just in case she delivers in the ambulance. Because not every ambulance has a paramedic. And yeah. So either they're volunteers and they can take you they can they can take you to where you need to go, yeah. but not everyone can do And most ambulance drivers do not want to deliver babies. I'm like not, strongly none of them. Yeah. <laughs> they are not actually experienced on it. They, Unless you're Nikki, who is also an EMT. Yeah. They they may have taken courses on it, but it's not or something yeah, they're not it's not something that they're super familiar with delivering babies. Um so she gets in the ambulance and she tells them that she's been attending births for six years. So if the baby comes, she knows what to do for the most part. And so they were relieved. Um, so they're heading towards the hospital and contractions are becoming about a minute apart. She starts. Seriously? I just broke Brian Meredith's face. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So orange, juicy. So sorry. So they're in the ambulance. Contractions are a minute apart. And, um,. So they, they, she actually had a wonderful person in the ambulance holding her hand, helping her through contractions. They were awesome and considerate to what was happening. She starts feeling the urge to push in the ambulance, and so they, so they take, so they take off her pants because she's still wearing her pants. With her, she specifies mm-hmm, with that, her permission. With her permission, so they were like, her pants are still on. She gives permission to take off her pants because it could be a weird situation. There's a lot of male EMTs, and so they take and her, babies. Babies come out in pants sometimes. Exactly. So the next contraction comes, and she feels the baby crowning. She puts her hands down. The head's coming out. Um, she delivers her own baby in the in the in the ambulance, which is a. Awesome. Yeah. Can we just say? Yeah. That's awesome. So the baby's out. Um, she's calm. She was a little bit worried about her bleed, uh, breathing well, but then she sees eventually that she's pinking up and she's she's doing well. She can't believe she just delivered in the back of an ambulance. Cheers <laughs> to that. Cheers yep. to you. Yep. Um. So things are going well. They get to the hospital. Oh, so they wanted to cut the cord in the ambulance because that's what they're taught you need to do. Um, but she said, no, the cord and the placenta are helping the baby right now. And that she did not want to do that. So they were, they were fine with that. And, um, they did not. So they get to the hospital, they go up to labor and delivery and she sees the doctor that's on call. Um, and the same doctor that got snippy with me three weeks ago when I was admitted for preterm labor. So I think that this is a little, this is, this starts the conversation is that, if your interactions with a client were already so negative, they their heart sinks when they see you. Yeah, yeah. they already don't have neither the one open of them mind to be able or to trust. Like, safely discuss. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Neither one of them are trusting each other already yeah. at that point. Exactly. So. so it's already setting up the atmosphere for a negative interaction, um, and so. As soon as they get into the room, she comes in acting like it's urgent that we clamp and cut the cord and deliver the placenta. So this is the It's part... not clear to me if she's still bleeding, though. So, yeah, we're, it's not clear. It wasn't clear from the story that whether she was still bleeding actively or not, mm-hmm. or whether the doctor was just wanting to do what they do. Yeah. Because usually in the hospital, they get the placenta out. Yeah, they delayed do... for them is like, what, 60 seconds? Pretty quickly. Delayed cord clamping in our hospital is one minute. Yeah. Yeah. And then they go ahead and help. To Help deliver the placenta, the placenta out. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, so that it wasn't clear from this story, um, but um, this this person being a birth worker and from what's going to happen later it didn't seem like she was opposed to medical intervention. It was only if she felt it was necessary. Um, so she says. I said no, that we wanted to wait until the cord stopped pulsing and the placenta delivered on its own. She got super annoyed. So I don't I don't feel it's appropriate for a doctor to show their annoyance to a client. No. Um, I feel like it's appropriate to say how you feel. I don't think annoyed is a good thing to show to a client. Um, and she t- tried telling me that the cord had stopped pulsing when I could clearly still feel a pulse in it. I stood my ground and told her no again and that we would just wait a bit. She got mad, ripped off her gown, and stormed out. Mm. So, th- so also, again, in this situation, she is, again, not creating trust. She is putting a boundary yeah. between trust and safety. Also, I kind of feel like if she was really in danger and she was bleeding a lot... She wouldn't. No doctor yeah. would, would, put, leave the room. would leave the room. They yeah. would say, okay, let's watch what the bleeding's doing, as opposed to, let me just storm out. Like, I could see, like, yeah, I feel like mm-hmm. if you were going to get frustrated about something, like, have it be a life-threatening situation. But, yeah. like, she's obviously getting frustrated over just, like, something yeah. that's different from what their normal is. If I was is. on the line of giving someone pit, mm-hmm. I wouldn't leave the room. Yeah. And be like, let me just come back in a minute and we'll yeah. decide. She I did would, not do that. I would stare at yeah. the vagina. Mm-hmm. So she says, I went back to loving on my new baby, yeah. waiting for the placenta release on its own. When I felt cramping and knew it was time, I told the nurses... And then 20 to 30 minutes later, the doctor comes back in to deliver the placenta. So I, uh, so this was 20 to 30 minutes later. So obviously she wasn't having a life-threatening so she probably wasn't uh, bleeding that hemorrhage yeah. because you can't wait 20 to 30 minutes mm-hmm. if that's happening. Um, she also asked me if I would be okay to have Pitocin on standby with the amount of blood I had lost at home and this being my fifth baby. I said yes, it could be on standby. That was on cap- CAPS. Little did I know that after the placenta is delivered, it is protocol for them to give the mother Pitocin whether she is bleeding or not. And I've actually never heard a doctor tell a patient no, they or don't. a provider no, they tell always, a if you have that an they're IV, about to give them Pitocin. Yeah, if you have an IV, Pitt goes in it's, to the IV. It's part of active management yeah, yeah, yeah. of placenta. Mm-hmm. I always tell my doula clients that because I feel like it's their right to know that. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely. And to decide if they yeah. want that or not. There, we um, get reports back and people will say, I had no idea I even had that drug. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she said, I politely declined, and again, she got huffy and said, well, you're not bleeding right now. Who knows about later? I wasn't quite sure how to respond, so I just politely declined Pitocin, and again, she got upset with me. She left the room again, and I kept skin-to-skin with the baby. We kept nursing and doing great. They came in and asked about vitamin K and erythromycin, and again, I politely declined. They left a little bit later. The doctor came in and said... We need to have a frank conversation. Was this the pediatrician or the obstetrician? Um, <clears throat> it just says they. It does not say whether it's the obstetrician. Well, no, it sounds like this is still the obstetrician. Also, I want to clarify, too, like, declining vitamin K and erythromycin is pretty normal these a lot days. Of, like, a, a lot, lot of people of, do. Yeah, a lot of our clients go in with birth plans saying they want to decline both of those. And the nurses are like, okay, that, like, they'll run through this, but we do this already, do this already. So I feel mm-hmm. like... That itself would not have been such a triggering thing since that is pretty becoming yeah. more normalized. And if you don't have chlamydia or gonorrhea, there's no reason for the eye ointment. Yeah. So I don't understand why. Oh. <clears throat> a lot of my clients deal. deny those things, and I've never had 
an issue, which is why it's, like, going to be a thing where it comes in, like, what was the issue later on? Was it actually what she was declining and the risk of that, or is it something else? Um, was their ego at play? Exactly. Um, okay, so where was I? So, okay, so she came back in and said, we need to have a frank conversation. As she stood at the end of my bed and said, do you want to go home? I wasn't sure how to respond again, so I looked around at my midwife and my husband, and you could tell they were both floored also. Our frank conversation ended up as me saying that I would love to go home as long as myself and my baby were fine. So she wasn't saying, like, I'm going to go home. I'm going home. home. Right. Right. What? Right. She hadn't said she wanted to go home before the... I feel like the doctor was assuming that she wanted to go home just based on other people that she had known with similar birth wishes. We don't know. We don't know. Either way, that's what was stated. That was stated. She had not said she wanted to go home before that. Um, so... Um, they, she had asked for them to check her baby's blood type to see if she would need Rogam, and they denied that because she's arch negative. Um, so they fought for a couple hours about that. I feel they like they refused to find out the baby's, baby's blood, blood type. type. Mm-hmm. They just wanted to give her Rogam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without knowing without. the baby's blood type. Oh, interesting. Okay. Go so ahead. I feel like it's it's all again that thing. It's like it's setting up. It's there's just like a, a cascade. There's like, an atmosphere worse worse. of distrust, and one person is trying to uh, assert their ego and the other person is trying to defend themselves in a very vulnerable place and also like from what we're hearing and what we're seeing in pretty reasonable ways like it's not unreasonable to want to have your baby's blood type checked no as a provider i can see why she was frustrated that someone came into their care and isn't care and then isn't doing anything they suggest so i can see why the doctor would be getting frustrated but like we said earlier that's not not our job right but that space right it's not the space to show your frustration and anger right you share your information and allow Mm -hmm. the mom to then make those decisions and then you start a podcast and that's where you and then you start a podcast and say whatever you want exactly (laughs) so they fought for a couple hours about that uh wait to see if I would need regular shop because I'm orange negative and fighting with them about that for a couple hours, would I learn? Okay, so they fought a couple hours about that, and then they told her that if she goes home AMA, which means against medical advice, it would mean that CPS would be called no matter the circumstances. So now they've thrown the CPS card, which is Child Protective which Services. Which is shocking how often that happens. Still. That actually yeah. happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, and that's I've really... never heard about it over checking a baby's blood type, though. No, no going home early. Or about going home early. Okay, so I guess we can't assume, though, that the trigger for them yeah. doing that is the Rogan thing, but, like... No, it was everything that had happened so far, but she hadn't really made any decisions yet that were putting the baby in danger. Right. And she hadn't even asked specifically to go home. They mm-hmm. had asked her if she wanted to. I had a mom who just asked for the... She said she wanted the vitamin K, but asked for the ingredients of the vitamin K injection so she could keep it at home. And they said, well, we'll call CPS and have them give you the ingredients. Mm. And they did. So it was a bullying tactic. Right. Which is what she says. We asked questions, which is their right. I cried. We were, her words, bullied by pediatricians, social workers, charge nurses, and OBs. Saying that we were putting our baby in danger for not submitting to certain tests or procedures or vaccinations. So basically they were saying they don't want vitamin K, they don't want hep B, they don't want erythromycin. 
Um, Which again is becoming so much more normal. So it's like, well, the body doesn't process the hepatitis B. This has been proven, and the CDC admits it. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter when you get the vitamin K, or I'm sorry, the Hep B. You can't do anything with it for the first eight weeks of your life. Yeah. So why they're still or sometimes it. even more because the right. antibodies from breastfeeding can. So it's like a waste them. of well, an like argument. Well, like you said, you talked to a CDC nurse about it, and she. Asked... I listened to an NPR. Okay. Um, episode and they asked why they're doing that she said to help the families get their foot in the door with the vaccine schedule. so the parents get used to vaccines. Mm-hmm. yeah which is like that's so, not enough of a reason right. for families so even fully even even if your child is going to be fully vaccinated mm-hmm. it would be completely understandable to wait eight weeks to start mm-hmm. yeah when you're breastfeeding so if yeah if you don't have hepatitis b your baby's not going to get it unless they're the first one sneaking out to yeah get so basically this isn't do, like our opinion about it it's just like this is not an abnormal request right that many parents make mm-hmm. to decline these interventions and um also we did some research about like risk factors and how risky really is it to decline these things um okay so um, they were saying she was putting her baby at, at risk. Um, just because it is their protocol, which sometimes protocols get in the way of informed consent. It is mm-hmm. hard. Um, it's it hard was, for me. Yeah, they're not laws. They're protocols, which is why it's informed consent. Um, okay, just because it's their protocol, even though she was stable, healthy, normal, and nursing well. They wanted us to stay 48 hours minimum to monitor baby since baby was preterm and they were unsure of my GBS, GBS status. That's GBS. GBS. <laughs> my ass was GB. <laughs> uh, technically, you don't want to know if it's in your ass because then it's going to throw off the whole test. Yeah, but... exactly. <laughs> um, so, okay. So, GBS means group B strep. It's something that most pregnant women are checked for. Like, that can really cause problems. But if and... it does cause problems, it could kill your baby. Yes, so it can, it's rare, but it can cause problems. The problem is, is that um, she, her GBS had been checked. They had checked it um, while she was in the hospital just a few weeks before. Which is standard. Which is standard, and it was negative. And so um, they said they can no longer use that test because the result may be different now. Which is something... Which I've never heard of before. They don't do that... Mm-mm. With their regular clients, no. the baby they might have checked her GBS test at thirty six weeks, and it's she has her baby weeks, at thirty six to thirty seven. Yeah, yeah, and she has her baby at forty weeks, and so that's a difference of four weeks or forty one weeks, which yeah. is five weeks difference. And they're so, not going to retest it. So I feel like she she felt like they were just trying to use stuff, right? As an and excuse. when they say her baby was preterm, her baby was like. Right on the bubble of 37 weeks when they would not have considered it preterm. Which technically, didn't the law just change recently that out-of-hospital midwives can do 36 weeks? There's no law. Or at least the standard changed. Because I feel like that was a conversation we had like in the last year. Was that like a document? It's a really gray area between 36 and 37. Yeah. Yeah. Super gray. So I just remember we talked about that a lot in the beginning of Mm -hmm. the year. Mm -hmm. About whether or not it's 36 or 37 now. Okay. So she said, "No rules." Um, she said that they could no longer use the test because it might be different now. But in a normal pregnancy, they test GBS status at thirty-six weeks. Some women don't have their babies until forty-two weeks—a six-week difference. My GBS test was done three weeks ago, and the chance of a baby becoming infected with GBS is less than one percent. So I wasn't particularly concerned with that to start with. And she also had a very precipitous birth. Yeah. Um, okay. So it wasn't like she had her water broken for a long time or anything. Like, I feel like that passage especially shows that clearly she knows her stuff. She knows her stuff. 
She's very informed. She's trying to tell them what she's researched, but it she feels like they're just trying to pick fights with her because they don't agree with her views on birth in general. This is how she feels. Yeah. Um. Okay. So her GBS t- test had been on three weeks ago. So the next thing they were hanging us out to dry for was the fact that she was preterm. They needed to check her glucose levels to make sure she could keep her blood sugar levels. She is nursing like champ and is perfect. I wasn't concerned about glucose levels either, but it was one more thing. In the end, we compromised and decided that we would stay for 24 hours. They can monitor vitals and we could do the car seat test since she was preterm, but we would be going home in the morning. They agreed to not call CPS as long as we stayed the minimum of the 24 hours. Um, we still did not vaccinate for Hep B or do the eye ointment, but agreed to a few non-invasive tests like the um, CCHD and the hearing screen. The next morning, the new on-call pediatrician came in and tried to get us to vaccinate again before discharge, and I politely declined. Um, and again, he signed our discharge papers. Um, so they did the car seat test. Um, so then she talks about this is not the birth she planned. It's not how she had pictured it. Um, she, they had had a peaceful, joyous home birth where all of their opinions had been respected before. Um, but it wasn't in the cards, which they were fine with. They realized that it was safer to be in the hospital this time with how things were going. But that the, the it was a traumatic experience, the hospital. Um, for people who don't follow Western protocols, it can be um, traumatic. Um, so... Let me see. Blah, 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 blah. No, this is not blah, blah, blah. It's actually good stuff. I'm just trying to cut out time. Um, and she realized that it, it, like, helped her see that she really wants to serve people in a way that's different from that because they stripped a joyous celebratory moment from us and replaced it with fear, anger, and unnecessary interventions. Um, so... Trusting in your body, feeling safe and secure and comfortable in your space with the people caring for you have more of an impact than most people realize. Um, and she's glad that the birth part of her story is behind them. Okay, so talking about what happened, I feel like it's important to talk about, like, we talked a lot about how different providers have different feelings about different things. But is it ever okay to make a mom use feel this way and use this kind of language of feeling bullied, feeling um, not safe, feeling threatened, feeling like take stripping a joyous moment and turning it into fear. Yeah, no, unacceptable. No matter how, I mean, I don't care if you are a mom that comes in with a crack baby. Which happens. and It does. And, and I, I don't feel like it's helpful to, to make her feel that way. No. And the reason this story, it's like, it just blows my mind is that I know, I know which hospital this is and I know their protocols and I know that if you come in and you're addicted to opioids or heroin, mm-hmm. which is huge in this area, they will send your baby home with you mm-hmm. if you just have someone to sign that baby out. Right. Bull fucking shit. So yeah. you sign this baby out with a heroin addicted mom and the person who signed this baby out may or may not have an addiction themselves. This mm-hmm. woman comes in fully informed, mm-hmm. clearly a good parent, intelligent, advocating for her baby, advocating for her baby and, and herself, herself yeah. and you're going to threaten to call CPS. How about you put your resources where they belong? And then you look at the risks of even CPS. Like, everyone knows that if a baby is taken from their parents, 
you only do that in cases of extreme danger right. because it's so stressful. It's just a threat. Yes. They're not going to take her baby away. Well, it has just happened, though. It has happened. But, they're, but then and you have would, to deal with the harassment. I mean, I'm pretty sure right. if, it if takes, they don't it takes they do months, they have to come to a home visit. It takes like, months to her. close a CPS case. It does. It takes months. And they'll say, we'll just take your baby away, do what we want. So and it's then a scare return tactic. return your baby to you. It's a scare tactic to, to get parents to do it's what they horrible. want, which is the opposite of an informed consent. Yeah. And yeah. so I feel like this mom was informed. She know she knew the benefits and risks. And we were talking a little bit about like how big were the risks that she was taking. That's just it. Was were these two providers, the pediatrician, mm-hmm. the OB, and then also the nurses that were talking to her, was there ego in the way? Like I have to it flex sounds to my me muscles like it was. and prove to you that what I yeah. have been taught my whole life is right or were they really worried for the baby? Like Yeah. Who knows? It doesn't really matter. Because this mom made her decision knowing what the risks were. And right. like when we break down the stats of a lot of things that she's talking about, like it is a yeah. super minimal It's more risk. dangerous to drive. Yeah, yeah. Like we honestly, we looked at the stats of the risks of declining vitamin K and uh, even like antibiotics and labor if you're happy, if you're streppy positive, which she was not. Um really the risk of putting your baby in a car seat and driving home from the hospital is higher than your risks of declining those but things. it's your decision yeah to make to take those risks or not yeah like you as the parent get to decide and when it comes to something like circumcision yeah. which is um you know mutilation like yeah. i can decide to mutilate my child's genitalia and that's okay and but they, i but, can't decide to not but the literature even from proves that circumcision has a risk of adverse outcomes stroke hemorrhage uh, yeah, infection, death. Infection, death. But yet they will offer that and just without not, any real conversation. Without, any, without a link to or the benefits. They when don't have the benefits either because there yeah, aren't any as it's there proving. aren't any benefits. When it has similar risks to declining vitamin K. And, yeah. But so it's but they'll say like, well, we can't really do that because it's a religious thing. But when it comes to a personal choice about vitamin K, they make a bigger deal about it. And when we say they, we're not saying specific providers. No, it's not just, specific. Providers. I mean, we are saying there are specific providers who do this yeah. and who are creating an issue. And there are specific providers who create a safe space for you to make your own decisions. But it's also hard because it's not just, when we say they also, it's like you also get put in that situation. I get put in that all the time. Where it's like you have certain information that you have to share whether you agree with it or not because you have to CYA. You have to cover your ass because if something bad happens. (laughs) And I have a big ass, so there's a lot of coverage. (laughs) There's a lot of coverage happening. So this, and I feel like we could have a whole other episode on this. We're going like way over, but it's like, yeah, like sometimes they're doing the same thing. They're covering their ass. Mm -hmm. It's a political thing. And sometimes what the mom wants and needs becomes the last thing when in reality when you're giving birth, it should be the first thing. Yeah. And I've been put in that position myself numerous times. It's so really it's hard. Really difficult. So again, I understand. I yeah. personally understand why the providers were upset and why they were getting so, or why their ego could have been right. Challenged. Exactly. But then I can see the the poor mom who's just going in for help. Mm-hmm. And, said, and because, because she cared and knew it was the safest thing to do. Yeah, so it's both. I can see both sides, but also that was that was another example of the opposite of informed mm-hmm. consent. But it should never make a mom feel more unsafe to do no. the thing mm-hmm. that she knows is more safe, and yeah. to put her in a, a position of defense rather than getting help mm-hmm. for her baby and for herself. For sure. 
And so, yeah, so um, if you guys would like to hear more about informed consent or if you have more stories you'd like to share with us about informed consent, and I know that there's a lot more stories we could share that would probably be funnier about times than we disagreed as medical oh, professionals. Yeah. <laughs> in our own births. Yeah. In other people's births. Yeah. In our other lives. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a great thing is open that conversation of how to do that. Because you remember that time we were talking with a client and you said something about pushing? Oh, like, I said, oh, we could probably go ahead and... I don't remember what I no, said. No, you but... were like, in my experience, and Kim has much oh. more experience. She has, she's done a lot more births than me. Um, oh, yeah, I did said, say, well, in my experience, I <laughs> AKA, have found... I have a lot of experience, so yeah. you need to listen so to So shut the I'm fuck saying. up. <laughs> in my experience, I have found A, B, and C. First time moms don't feel an urge to push. Yes! And, and, I, and I didn't say anything in front of the client. No, but, but she like... made a face. <laughs> And, uh, I were you made, trying to get the mom out of the she tub? Made, she, I, no, I don't it know. wasn't even at a birth. It was at a, it was at a prenatal visit. She oh, yeah, we labor. were together. And, and she may have gagged a little on whatever and so, she was And eating. so Kim looks at me because we've known Probably each sushi. other for so long, and she knows my faces now, and she's like, you don't agree with me at all. You do not agree with what I'm saying. And I was and, like, Pa, what? What? I don't... What now? What are you talking about? And then you said, no, actually, I don't agree with you. And I was like, okay, well, share your share your thoughts. Share your shit. And for the record, in that particular birth, I ended up being right. She, <laughs> she was wait, right. Wait, can you please... Wait, can you say that She was right. Oh, speaking of this... <laughs> I'm glad we're recording this speaking, speaking of this particular birth, since we need to fill another eight minutes... Yeah. Jess is such an experienced doula that she... We have this agreement that if we have a joint client... The client will communicate with just her for a while, which usually mm-hmm. buys me some extra sleep, sleep minutes. Sleep time. Because she needs sleep more than me because she has more clients Well, than not me. necessarily, but sometimes. You need sleep you more than me. You are very busy. Sometimes I do. You need sleep more so, than me. So I was asleep. I was dead asleep. And my phone rang and it's Jess. And I know it's either something horrible or something exciting. Yeah. And she's calling me and I said, hey. And she's like, don't be mad. Don't be mad. I just got here, but I think she's pushing. <laughs> what do you mean you think? That's like the thing that you love hearing, though. You're like, yeah. <laughs> what do you mean you think she's pushing? She's pushing or she's not pushing. And this was a first time mom. <clears throat> and first time mom. And she had not shared this with me. And I walked in the door and I heard it. And I was like, oh, oh are my you God. pushing? And she was like, oh, is that what that is? <laughs> so I feel was... like I'm about to poop. Yes. Yes. Yes, I am. I'm about to poop my pants. It was It was a beautiful birth, but I... It was fabulous. I did make it yeah. by a few minutes. Well, like 20 minutes or so, something mm-hmm. like that. First time moms push for a long But time. I will repeat, Jess was Usually. absolutely right. And it just... It, it was so right for her to say that to that mom and then that mom proved me wrong mm-hmm. that thing happened. <laughs> she probably was like meditating on that for like weeks like i put a push. lot of whipped cream on that humble pie <laughs> it was delicious yeah and, and so that's what, again we go back to like oh, yeah like we are wrong sometimes and yeah. we will never know everything there is no about no, birth. no, no not ever how long we will get burnt out on being birth workers long before, long before we understand it we completely. understand birth completely so i think that the only thing you can understand about birth completely is that we trust, don't understand is anything. that it's a mystery <laughs> it's a mystery yeah so um yeah but if you are informing yep and researching and building and trust building trust mm-hmm. and giving options and respecting 
do having respectful communication. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, then the birth is going to be the best possible outcome. Birth- Even oh, and I want to say too that from my experience, from my experience, <laughs> from my, my hashtag from my experience. Um, <laughs> It's not actually about how the birth goes. Yeah, that's true. So there's some moms. <gasps> that's a whole episode. It's a whole episode, I've but I'm going to say, like, really shortly, like, there's, like, some moms who, um, it's not about how the birth goes in the way that even if everything goes wrong and nothing happens according to how the mom wanted it to, yeah, if she, she was respected, respected, if she was affirmed, if she felt like she was making choices along the way, if things were not happening to her, but things were happening in her, in with her, her with her, with her consent, yeah. with her consent, she can have like what we would consider the worst birth in the history of yeah. birth. Well, that went opposite of what we planned, and she will still feel affirmed by it, yeah. and she will still leave that birth. Um, she might still be sad that she didn't get the birth she wanted, but she will leave that birth. Like, it won't be traumatic. It won't be traumatic. Yeah. And I have had births where Mm -hmm. they they didn't go as planned, but I knew Mm -hmm. something was wrong, and I had to say, I'm sorry that you're not happy with what I'm saying, but this is what's happening, whether you like it or not, because Mm -hmm. I'm I'm taking over now. And do you know, that birth turns out like, oh my God, thank you, Mm -hmm. sweet baby Jesus, that that turned out the way it did, and then they're traumatized for literally for the rest of their lives. And I'm like, but you're... I don't understand. Like, why are you traumatized? Yeah. Because they feel like I took but, their power away. But then also at the same time, there's births that to some people would be like beautiful births that went well. But if they were not treated respectfully, right. yeah. they will be traumatized by that as well. They could have the most beautiful natural birth and push their baby out and bring it to their chest. But if they had someone that was talking to them negatively or took their power yeah. away. That's all you remember. They will also be traumatized by it. So the way we treat moms when they're in labor is so, so important. I've experienced that myself as a mom in labor. Mm-hmm. I've experienced it with other moms that have things go wrong or things that go right. And yeah, it sets the tone for your whole journey as a parent. It does. And which you is can, such an important because you need power. You need power as a parent. As you'll find out one day. Yeah. You we'll when we take you by the hair and shake you and say, just push your fucking baby out. I know no, no, no. <laughs> I know this is just the beginning. <laughs> Because parenthood is going to be hard, and you do need that power to you feel confident you in yourself. Beginning. Yeah, because yeah. it's it. There's no book well, there, for it. There's no rule. There's definitely no protocols around parenthood. Well, there's no. that. There's that quote: "Is that birth does not just make babies. It birth makes, makes like empowered moms who know their own strength." And I feel like that's why birth is so Good hard mm-hmm. because. When you go through something hard and you get through it, you realize you're stronger than you what realize. Does it, kill? Yeah, it makes you stronger. Don't sing that stupid song, but not the other stupid song. But at the same time, if you have people in a position of power making you not feel strong, you're gonna really, you're gonna. That's going to and affect that's just you as it. Well. Is if you are and a person of power, you'll doubt you have, every decision you ever make. Right. Yeah. And if you're a person of power or authority, a midwife. Um, an OB and sometimes mm-hmm. a doula before you get somewhere. It nurse for sure. Like, yeah, take responsibility for that power mm-hmm. and use it wisely because yeah. you can make or break mm-hmm. someone's experience. And you might do 250 births a month if you're in the hospital. But or for like, this mom, it's it's, it's one. Only it's birth. the only yeah. one that matters. You never get to relive that birth. And it's again. hard for me if I just have like 10 births in a month. It's hard for me to remember that if I get tired. But I do try like my best. 
to take that into consideration. So if all and birth we can workers remind did each that, other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have to do that. And if you don't have somebody to remind you, you have us. Yeah. But yeah, I think okay, so for next our next podcast, we are gonna do something a little more lighthearted. I which... think we're gonna do uh that one time that at, one time, band, band, at, a birth, at a birth at the birth camp. <laughs> we're gonna do stories. We're gonna fun birth we're stories. We're gonna be eating apple pie. Yeah. While we we're do gonna it. finger ap- apple pie while we do it. Ooh. I'm gonna post pictures of myself with my hand in a vagina while drinking a smoothie. That Wait, can cool. we Photoshop a piece of apple pie in your hand? Instead? Sure. That Why sounds not? really let's warm do it. and comforting. We also mm-hmm. have a really funny YouTube video coming out this week, which we're really excited about. Yes. So, so okay, you have you have one week. We're giving you a whole week to send funny things. If you or consent to having this mission. If you consent to this. <laughs> <laughs> funny things that were said to you. Hashtag me too. Hashtag me too at a birth. That's not a joke. That's not a joke. Yes. I made it Jesus. a joke. You made it a joke. You're so inappropriate. I did that. Whineaboutbirth at gmail.com. Send us your stories. This one time when I was at a birth, mm-hmm. this happened. There are so many of those stories. If they could be funny, that would be a plus. Bonus, yeah. bonus points if they're funny. Shocking. I love shocking. Mm-hmm. I like when my mouth hangs open and everything that I've eaten falls out. <laughs> what have they been eating? Um, that's why we don't eat while we're doing this podcast. Yeah, that's why we just drink. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. so until then, um, all we have to say is cheers. Um, wait, 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 wait. Get married at the bottle <laughs> and, and cheers. cheers. Happy oh, birthday! Happy birthday! Woo woo! We got one in that time. <laughs>